Welcome to the REL Talk Show, where we get up close with some of the greatest business minds in APAC as they answer 10 questions about marketing, business, leadership, and management. Discover how current trends combine with timeless marketing principles for undisputed business success and become a marketing leader to go beyond your farthest ambitions. So get ready for some real talk with leaders in 10 questions with your host, Vineet Rajan. Aparna is the VP Marketing for Hindustan Times based out of New Delhi. A postgraduate from Symbiosis Institute of Business Management, Pune, Aparna has had long stints with FMCG majors like GlaxoSmithKline, Coke, Procter & Gamble before moving to the news and the publishing industry. Aparna is also a three-time FE Award jury member, jury for Impact 30 Under 30, speaker and gold awardee at the International News Media Association or INMA. World Congress 2021. Welcome to the show, Aparna. It is so good to have you. We have conversed many times about so many things to do with marketing. And now is when we'll actually record the show. I still can't believe it's happening. I'm pinching myself, especially after the rounds of cat and mouse that we did trying to get this in order. But it is so good to finally do this. Welcome to the show, Aparna. Thank you, Vineet. Yes, you're right. Cat and mouse is right. We were trying to find the right time, right place. And all it took was getting on to this, to the podcast and uh, begin. So I'm so glad to be here and catching up with you is so much fun. So let's dive right in, Aparna. Tell us about you, but as a marketer. Hmm. So as a marketer, we need my last 15, 16 or years of, of being part of the marketing fraternity and dealing with this function. A few things really come to mind and one of the interesting observations is even after so long of this function being around, of this discipline being around, people mostly believe that marketing is really unidimensional. It's just a creative piece where you deal with creative aspects and brand building and deal with influencers and celebrities and that still continues. But honestly, it's really become an ecosystem. It's a central business function and that's the way I view it and more and more evidence comes up every day to support this. So it's a very critical business function. And yeah, I think the way for me as a marketer, a few things that keeps me going, keeps me interested in marketing and really excites me. One of them is, of course, consumer inciting and really positioning the brand. So if you get an opportunity to position your brand or work on creating a new positioning piece around the brand, that's that's supremely exciting. You should really grab that opportunity. Because it defines the character for the brand and for teams to pick it up even after one moves on from that assignment or that brand. And consumer inciting takes you to the core of your user, of your consumer, what makes them tick, what moves their cheese, what can you do to create demand amongst them. So consumer inciting and positioning is is really something that excites me. And of course, something that's core to a marketeer to be able to drive storytelling and to drive a very strong narrative around your product and your or your service. Of course, having your product central and a very strong product, that's key, right? Because you're going to be building a narrative around it to be able to make sure that it that generates demand for your users. But then how do you do that storytelling? How do you push those buttons that you intend to and drive that narrative? That's the other part that's super exciting for me. And of late, another 
uh, discipline to be able to create and that I'm doing now with my team at Hindustan Times to be able to cre- uh, you know create and craft strong concepts that find its way even to our partners and our customers and they want to partner with us around these strong ideas and we're able to monetize them as a separate incremental revenue work stream that's exciting to me even as a marketer because it's really confidence in your con- and your brand proposition even from an external customer and hence that's the third one so yeah that's a little bit around marketing and the marketer and me and the last thing that i would say is the secret sauce for me really is don't hesitate to iterate okay and i used to on one of my desks have a plaque there also that used to say wi don't hesitate to iterate and maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later in fact i'd also want to see if we can talk a bit about the ips and concepts because personally i'm a big fan of what hindustan times does in this space and the fact that you're also bringing in the leg of monetization i think that's pretty exciting tell me one thing and i i've seen your career and you've won so many awards and recognitions right from school you've been involved in so many things at what stage in your life did you realize that you wanted to become a marketer yeah interesting i actually majored in economics from delhi university then of course with the the mba piece you know in pune and went down that route thinking why not do something in business and in marketing and that's interesting and a lot of folks who were going down that uh, that path and they continued and then i started my sales team out of campus with g money which was an nbfc i did uh, one round with in operations in back end operations with sbi card so very different from what i'm doing today i was literally on the on the streets of chennai selling selling personal loans for many months and from there and that was a very interesting stint and i think for more people more and more people who even want to get into streams like marketing to do their sales stint and now obviously in a lot of organizations the mt stint does that etc but important to do that because you stay you're very close to the ground when you end up doing those things so the same for me post which i just switched industries and companies and cities and i moved from delhi to mumbai with proctor where i was taking care of about 9 to 10 brands out of the 17 odd at that time in the portfolio as part of the media function which was overarchingly within marketing but i was i was used to work on media there and post which you would have seen then about 4 5 years later to gsk back to uh, home ground delhi and ciara moved to gsk and i set up the digital function during this time i was fairly convinced that i wanted to work within marketing but i wanted to do something niche okay because a lot of folks and my friends and my peers and my colleagues and everybody was a brand manager okay and i said look uh, that's generic that's something i used to view it as generic at that point and i said so many people are doing it i want to do something niche and that will always be uh, required as a discipline something niche within this so digital marketing writing at that time because not a lot of people were getting into it media planning and operations that was important because not a lot of people were doing it it kept you close to the brand as well didn't do pnl but it did something else uh, so i said i'll remain niche and i actually started my brand journey with gsk towards the latter end post my maternity leave i came back and i had the opportunity to get into uh, brand management i started taking care of public extension and i was given that opportunity and it was great and i said okay it's like the holy trinity right i've worked in media now traditional plus digital with the setup and now in this trinity i should bite the bullet and get into the brand management space so i did that with horlicks for, for for a couple of years 
But really the magic for me happened in Coke. After that, I was in the Southwest Asia business taking care of brand Coke. And that's when the world of brands and the power of it that can shape and really influence behavior and consumption, fascinating stuff and the, the entire beverage landscape and what those brands were really doing. Because it was, you wouldn't call them the necessity, but it was, it was so far up in the emotional Maslow that it really interested me. And I said, this is fantastic. And I think love for brands and marketing happened then, truly. So interesting. In fact, when I see how you've progressed in your career, you've worked with so many iconic brands, Coke, P&G, it's pretty exciting sometimes just to think about it. And I picked up on a couple of things that you mentioned here. One was, of course, the education that you went through in Delhi and then Pune. And also the fact that you were involved in setting up the digital function at PNG. So I actually have a couple of questions to ask you around that. One, how much contribution do you think educational institutes make towards building one's career? I think I'll, I'll, I'll touch upon post-grad really, uh, because I think by the time you're graduating uh, or you're rather in your undergraduate stage, I truly believe that it's still quite an extension of the formative years of school. And more and more now, as new generations come up, and I have a seven-year-old who seems like he's going on 17 very quickly, this generation is, is definitely going to be looking at far more streams and avenues and opportunities than ever before. And hence, at the undergraduate level, somebody is still in a fairly protected environment and is still figuring things out. I think when it comes to post-grad and college and beyond, one really with or without prior work ex, I think more than just the classroom teaching, I think what education does and educational institutes do is is really drive a very different value system. I think in terms of just getting independent, working through an external environment and not at home anymore, living independently and hustling during placement or anything else that's part of that life. So I think there is a lot of life education uh, and just dealing with everything that comes your way that I think educational institutes really build. And the rest of it from an education stream lens, I think it's very different for different people. It's what you make it. A lot of people, for example, truly value and optimize live projects. Okay, And I saw that while, while we were also in you know, post-track phase or even now. There are others who say, okay, not really. Uh, but they go by rote a lot more. So I think it's what you end up wanting to get into while you're from your from, from your stream. But to me, truly, it, it's the first time you really end up, and this is if you don't have prior work, etc. If you've been in the education phase from school, this is the first time when you independently view the world and that learning is, you can't replace it. So that's the first one. And I think the other part is, from a marketing lens, what ends up happening is, and particularly MBA, etc., is that you shape yourself also like a brand, much like a brand, right? You market yourself, your skills at the time of placement, at the time of other projects, at the time of internship. You're really finding a narrative for yourself. And that's the time when you're understanding what your skills are, what are your opportunities. You're starting to understand it and you're trying, you're starting to highlight and uh, shine a spotlight on what you do really well. Yeah, I think those few things is something that your educational institute, particularly at the post-grad level, do for you. And even beyond that, I think it's critical that we don't, that learning doesn't stop. And that's one of the things, again, maybe we'll talk about a little later, driving that importance of learning in your team today, because skill upgradation remains 
ensuring that you're keeping up with what's important today so that you don't become obsolete that remains the second question that i wanted to ask was you also spoke about the fact that you were interested in digital marketing as someone who set up the digital marketing function at gsk and this is back in 2012 walk us through how you went about this especially when that was the time when brands were just waking up and everyone started making facebook pages and we were somewhere there when the digital tsunami actually happened yeah very interesting uh, phase for me in my career vinit so it's a great question i think when i look back now at that point i did feel like it was a tsunami and i was the only person the tsunami was in that and coming for it wasn't easy but and today when you look at today's generation today's marketers for example they're digitally native okay their language is different everybody's language is different they're looking at e-commerce marketplaces they know exactly what kind of uh, performance marketing to do they know how to optimize their campaigns and when you look at our generation we went from analog to digital so we straddled both and when you looked at that point in time the leaders then and for them it's primarily analog so this advent of digital was coming in right then and these were the guys who were leading these organizations at that point in time or shaping shaping how you move forward from the way you deal with communication with your audiences etc so i think the biggest learning for me was that it could not have been done in none of that should have been done or could have been done by one person you know as part of a function or a digital marketing function at that point in time you needed the evangelist to be the leader for the organization literally it needed to be a digital evangelist leader right at the top because it, it's something that you need to imbibe you needed to imbibe more and more at that point because same thing in proctor right there was somebody who had come in as a digital marketing specialist in gsk when i was setting up this function i realized that it was really something that needed to be in the fabric of things whereas let's say even agencies continued to bring in campaigns which were traditional media led there would be a tvc there would be a print piece and then there would be if, if at all a few slides dedicated to how you should speak on digital that would mostly be around engagement on social so you can imagine and that to social would be facebook it couldn't get narrower than that and we really weren't thinking outside and there was a lot of i wouldn't call it pure resistance but just because of the kind of sheer things that you were driving as a marketer at that point in time this was not really top of mind it just felt something incremental of course now uh, you can't think like that at all at that point in time it was still something very new people were dealing with so what were the few things that we did end up doing of course it took a lot of just driving understanding in the whole chain starting with the leadership team and that took a lot of time and a lot of effort because everything came in from there right resources from there getting the right partners on board agreeing to even have a website for example one anecdote that comes to mind and it's a funny one and it shows how people were thinking at that point in time those name tags that you have outside your desks and your cubicles and i used to have one of those and somebody had replaced my name with a barcode okay and some others used to come to my desk and tell me that some something is not working on the laptop or the other charging cord has gone kaput and what do you do so that's how digital marketing was really viewed right somebody is an extension to the it team but from there i think things definitely started getting put in place we launched a website to house the brands these are things which were absolute hygiene but at that point in time it was important to bring out the importance of doing these because it took investment it took resources we got agencies to pitch we got the right agencies on boarded uh, category wise 
nutrition somebody else, oral health somebody else who were experts. Another one product innovation that we ended up doing, which got everybody to sit up and said, oh, we can do this and we can do it differently. And I remember Boost as a brand had an F1 association with one of the McLaren teams at that time. And instead of just doing engagement in the form of doing another thing on social, we built a, one of the Boost, first few Boost F1 games online, which got massive engagement at that time. Okay, And everybody sat up and said, oh, we can do this. So the the joy was to see a lot of what, yes, it was sweat and blood. And I took the help of my husband, Vikas Java, who's, who's been a digital evangelist from the Big My Trip days. But now everybody realizes the pace of this medium and how it's evolved more than ever. Important to keep the foundation and just build on that. That continues. Very exciting to see how this shaped up, especially for these brands. And yeah, as the analog generation, we surely did have a fair share of Horlicks and Boost as a kid. There's one more thing which I wanted to ask you, especially with respect to the industries. Started with PNG, moved to GSK, Coke, and now you're part of the media and news industry. What made you switch industries after so many years? Hmm, interesting one. I think for me, FMCG truly, I think it's such a such a fantastic training ground because uh, the sheer size of the category and the ability to be able to because it's part of your daily life. It's a, it's a, most of the FMCG brands are necessities or parts of the daily lives of users and consumers. And it's, it's, it's something that shapes the fuel and fuels the economy, really. And it shapes demand. So this category is massive. But the thing with it is, and across working across such core, important, successful and fantastic brands, when you look at, we used to talk about the functional uh, aspects of the brand and the emotional aspects of the brand. Some of them have been high, so high on both for the for the consumer. So uh, the thing that I realized was, however, a lot of planning used to be done mid to long term. A lot of the planning, which is great, and a lot of the work, especially in the, in the marketing arena, used to be from this in a mid to long term range. Things used to be uh, planned in a certain manner. Then they used to see results in a certain manner. They used to be tracked as brand health across a period of time for your brand. And the other aspect was just the speed of it. Most of the brands, at least the ones that we have on question here, you will see the world or at least the world of communicating to your consumers and to your users through a lens. Usually that lens will be through the planning teams, the media teams, the creative agency. And just because of the sheer nature or the sheer volume or the sheer size, but sometimes you don't do it on the daily where you know you're you're a little bit there are a few steps from, from that reality. So for me, I think after so many years of some, working on some of these brands, I said, interesting to see another aspect, to see another industry. And I think it's also critical in a long uh, career to be able to experience different industries, different sectors, different companies to give longevity and relevance to your, your own skill set and to your careers. And then I said, when I looked at media as an opportunity, the first thing that hits you is agility. It's daily. It's rooted in reality, complete reality, because it's happening every single day, right? And you are at the center of what constitutes core avenues of communication today. You're literally at the center of it. The communities you have, right now we work across INMA, which is the International News Media Association, the global community. And so much forecasting is done on how the trends are going to be, what is the next advent of communication, etc. It's It's very interesting and it's super speed roll every day and that's what keeps me very very interested in this industry 
Dear listeners, we'd like to take a minute to put in a word from our partner and podcast host, Hubhopper. Hubhopper Studio is India's leading podcast creation platform. You can start podcasting with Hubhopper Studio and get your voice heard across platforms like Spotify, Ghana, Google Podcasts, Wink Music, and more. So click on the link in the episode description or visit www.hubhopperstudio.com. So we're coming now to the later half of our show and let's continue with HD. And this is in the context of what's what we're seeing around us and it's literally changed our lives overnight, calling it the new normal. As a media house, how has Hindustan Times adapted to the new normal? Massive, massive uh, changes. And I think that's happened beneath across, again, industries, organizations, lives, livelihoods, everything's changed. You're right. In these two years of the pandemic and, and counting. Same thing for this 96-year-old legacy media news brand, almost in its centennial year. A massive digital acceleration in the last 18 odd months, just like anywhere. And one of the things that we ended up doing as a commitment to our users, to our readers, to our viewers, despite the pandemic, was the refresh for Brand Hindustan Times in August, September last year, where we completely changed the product, the proposition, the positioning, the content levers, in fact, very specifically to millennials now. So you'll see that across the portfolio. You'll see it in the daily product as well. One of the most critical things that we ended up doing was an integrated newsroom. Both print and digital were integrated in this period. And that leads to a very seamless experience for the user. From the frontline perspective, there's something that we created called 1HD Sales, which means uh, the, the teams who are front-ending the sales efforts were also completely integrated in terms of skills, both on the digital platforms as well as, as well as radio, as well as some of the other traditional forms of communication. Then there is an incubation wing, which is known as HT Idea Lab, which has been developed and really a fresh impetus has been given to this wing to create new products aimed at the future. So things like very recently launched OTT Play, which is our OTT and several others in the making. HD Smartcast, which is, you know, one of the leading podcasts in the country now, just went from strength to strength in the last 18 months. Yeah, and the gratification came in the form of a lot of recognition, accolades. Inma, which is one of the leading communities globally, recognized this effort in the form of a lot of awards. More than 3,000 entries were placed and it's very well known, it's very prestigious amongst the New York Times, Washington Post and several others. So, yes, in the middle of, of such a tough time for us, and done with complete grace, credibility, and respect. So very proud of what uh, HD has achieved in the last few years. Indeed. And it resonates so well when you say first voice and last word. It is so powerful, yet so simple. And I totally love that proposition of Hindustan Times you brought forth last year. First voice, last word for us, I think, you know, was also a proposition and also really does justice to the digital piece. Last word is more from a journalistic excellence, all sides and all perspectives. And again, in the space of news and publishing, what are the top five trends that you predict for 2021, what's left of it, and 2022 and beyond? There are quite a few, but let me tell you the top of mind and things that we are also working on currently and some very interesting ones. So I think... First and foremost, digital publishing will grow, but will have to start getting data audience insights driven more and more. It, it needs to be from the other pieces about learning from the digital ecosystem, like social platforms, because you need to understand the behavior for users there. You know, for users, 
news content and other content the lines have blurred completely and they are consuming content on social for news as well uh, as any other content so just understanding the behavior and usage from that lens and then adapting it to our own platform critical uh, data audience insights critical the second trend i would say which will continue and it's just begun is subscription content paid content for original uh, uh, content that's put out i think premium models is something that a lot of brands have started the journey on but users are still hesitant to pay for new they continue to be and hence that journey is a bit slower than it should be so i think that should be given a fresh new impetus also but then the third one would be everything that we're seeing around original content from publish which will remain king and will also from the tech giant there will be very key partnerships on original content from publishers that will continue and it will grow more and more and seo focus will need to happen to get more visitors to these publishing brands and the one thing around content that i see happening will be how health journalists and experts and reporters um and you know editors will be now even more integral than ever before that's one then the fourth one for me i think incremental revenue work change is going to be very critical uh, so b2b even within marketing will be a very very critical piece within this function so brand campaigns will continue brand narratives will continue but they now be combined with customer service channels live events community unlocks you know to be able to increase some partnership key partnership just to give a fresh lease of life to new incremental monetized avenue print i don't think is going anywhere for some time it remains and it has a very specific place in the readers life so that will remain and it's depicted in readership but i think podcasts and audio as a platform will definitely go through a fresh new boom we're already seeing that uh, more and more as people now start going a little bit wary of just on a video medium because work has also moved so steadily onto video that i think audio and we're starting to see a lot of that even in the way new platforms are coming up like uh, podcast doing very well so audio can also see itself going behind paywalls uh, soon depending on the listenership so i think yeah these are some of the trends we need i think will be key let's also talk about some of the marketing propositions or campaigns that have inspired your work yeah quite a few when i start thinking about it now one of the very and a recent one is definitely dhp refresh it's been a labor of love i was literally i think some 8 months into the organization and because it went from product to proposition to positioning was something that after so many years for this kind of a legacy news brand and all of that i think that's that's one that we are very proud of also the, the kind of pieces attached to it were something that we weren't anticipating so it's an important one and talking to millennials for the first time directly to the millennials so to see some of the work around that that's an important one some of the key pieces that i feel i always try to drive within campaign is differentiation as a key proposition and that differentiation and i keep telling the teams as well that's why you need to be abreast of not just your own product your own service but competition and category as well because just driving that differentiation very very rooted in consumer behavior so you find relevance in consumers consumers in life and you find a way to differentiate yourself that's critical and when i think of you know one of the brands i had in my portfolio was limka and for limka we were trying to drive a masala limka extension particularly for the north market right punjab and etc and we were we were trying to find the right masala palette and they have a very strong emphasis and that took a very long time and 
you know, it was already deeply rooted by competition. And we were trying to really find that one natural. And honestly, we had so many iterations of that formulation. And we did that so quickly because from an R&D lens, something like this would take months. But we were so dedicated to it to find that one specific palette, going down to the market, finding those masalas, bringing them back, finding that right formulation, testing it, putting it out in the market. There were times that we were changing formulations while we were in market. There's lots of things to be able to get that right. And another brand that comes to mind, again, and I don't know how many people know of Jira and while volume-wise, base-wise, it was smaller in the portfolio, but such an interesting brand, again, and very close to my heart because we went so deeply into the functional proposition and that the ingredient-based function for Jira, how consumers view it. It's a cooling in in so many parts of the country. It's consumed every day. And hence, how do you take that one core benefit for that ingredient and what do you do to a beverage like this, which is ultimately meant to refresh? And how do you differentiate yourself from competition? So, you know, some of these, if you hit that product and it's so rooted in what consumers want, you can give competition to so many majors who are in that industry. If you just get that one insight, right, from, from a need gap that a consumer has. And yeah, that's fascinating to see. Very insightful. What have been your biggest learnings as a manager, leader, but from your team members? Yeah, I think, oh, wow. My team teaches me every day. There's something new every day. And then I keep telling them that it's interesting. So many of my own perspectives get shaped by something they do or they say or everything that the team does every day. So let me just start with a few that uh, come to mind. The first one is truly appreciating the power of diversity. Okay. And how do you use that to really unlock the highest standards of quality in work, productivity, engagement? So truly for me, appreciation of that power of diversity. And when you speak of diversity today, diversity means so many things. But let me touch upon a few aspects of it. Background, different backgrounds, different languages, different years of experience. Yes, gender plays a role as well. And while we're at it, so much has been talked about really in the corporate arena on doing something around, and we call it diversity even now, when we talk about getting women, more and more women into the foray, right? And sometimes I, I look at that and I say, I'm calling it diversity. Now there should it should just become passe and we should just have all genders represented, even from a lens of, for example, having women from a marketing standpoint. More than 70% of the users of most categories in India and globally are women users, right? So how can we not have that representation in teams today and in fact even in, in uh, leadership positions today which which is not very forthcoming unfortunately even now i digress a bit to address women at the workforce even now but i thought it was an important one but i'll come back to the team so one is really the power of diversity and what it does and the second is i learned and i've been learning every day how transparency and consistency is definitely always valued. And it's very, very under amongst teams. Just being able to drive consistency and transparency within your team for them to trust uh, that every day you might push them more and more, but you have their back, you lead, and there'll be dependability within the team. And very seldom do you come across individuals who want to work very individually. Right, everybody wants to be part of a very well-working team. That's what the team always tells, uh, tells me as well. That everybody wants to collaborate. Sometimes they need me to remove some bottlenecks, so I focus on doing that very quickly. Another one is 
the last one I would say is never compromise on having a sense of humor. I think again it's very underrated. It gives individuals and it gets individuals and teams to it gets them through things one wouldn't even imagine. Not taking something too seriously and infusing a bit of fun in working with teams and keeping the humor going. I think some of these things I've learned from them to imbibe every day. I wanted to mention that when you spoke about women in the workforce, you were absolutely not digressing. I think it is one of those things we don't talk about enough. And you rightfully mentioned backward statistics as to how many how many women are actually consumers, but it's the men who are marketing to them. Yeah. Yeah. It's honestly it it drives everything. It drives understanding of the consumer. It drives empathy, it drives culture for an organization. And I don't, we don't see enough of it. In some industries, like we were discussing the other day, maybe banking, one or two industries like these where you do see women leaders right to the top, nowhere else really. And now while, you know, everybody's patted themselves on the back that people, and they'd like to pride themselves on the fact that we've got maternity policies in place, et cetera, et cetera. Women will be safe and secure to come back. How many, how many places and people do, uh, do we really put in enough effort to understand if women do lapse out of the workforce? Why do they do that? How can we ease them in? At which life stage does that happen, etc. So I plan that with my team very consciously for the, the women representatives and associates in my team. I, I plan that from a life stage perspective as well. And what will happen as they move cities, if they're getting married, if they're kids. It's important to do that. Uh, and we're finally coming to the end of this show, Aparna. And there's only one thing I want to ask you, and this is more for me as well, along with the listeners. If there's one advice you'd like to give based on your experience, your work, and only one, what would that be? Okay. So you've asked for one, but then as a true marketer, I'm going to give you one from us, okay? <laughs> so, I the first one is something we've touched upon earlier, and we said we might come back to. I think never hesitate to iterate. Almost for people remember, but staying open is is one of the things. So, staying open to everything, staying open to ideas, staying open to opportunities that come your way, staying open to career path switching at whatever point. Whatever you want to switch to, industries, careers, it's never too late, it's never too early, it's just about what we, but then staying open. That's one of the things I think one has to keep reminding oneself because as time progresses, as experience, as you get more experience, more years under your belt, as human beings, we tend to be more and more rooted in our own beliefs and our opinions. So how do you remain open? That's, I think, the most critical one. And my tiny little bonus piece on this would be coming from one of my most favorite campaigns and brands, most admired brand for me is, is Under Armour. And I don't know if you've got the Microsoft piece, which stays with me, that one line of the campaign, so powerful and it stayed, it's actually stayed every day. It says, it's what you do in the dark that puts you in the light, right? So whether it's marketing or any field, hard work, consistency, dependability, and driving that trust, that's always going to put you in the light. And that happens sometimes behind the scenes, but it's important to continue doing that daily. Thanks so much, Aparna. It was an absolute pleasure and honor to host you on the Rail Talk show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. The pleasure is all mine and I'm glad that we persevered and we got this done. And thank you so much. You've taught me enough. 
as well through this conversation and through our conversations but we'll leave that for another day <laughs> so thanks really <laughs> thank you so much if you liked this episode of the rel talk show don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast if you think this podcast would help someone else do share your support will take us a long way in reaching more listeners you can also stay in touch by subscribing to email alerts on www.reltalk.show.